0: 2023 could be an outstanding year for the Auburn Tigers. Hey, could Auburn be next year's TCU?
1: Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn
0: Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host. Zach Blackerby, thank you so much for making Lockdown Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining me as he does every Monday and for the first time in 2023, Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com, also host of Locked On MLB Prospects from some mystery location, but watching what happened in the college football playoffs over the weekend and TCU surprised me. I think surprised a lot of folks. I think a lot of people had and lost a lot of money betting on Michigan to beat them, but could Auburn be next year's TCU? I, I think there's some similarities. I think obviously some of this is definitely looking at it glass half full, but just the hope around the program and looking ahead to 2023 um this could be a really good year for the Tigers. Obviously that would make it a close to perfect year for Auburn football.
1: Yeah, I when you look at what T, uh, TCU did, obviously going in, beating the like winning the close games, having very good quarterback play, uh, there there is a blueprint for Auburn to try to replicate this, right? Uh the schedule lines up pretty well next year. You have Uh, Georgia at home you have Alabama at home your only major out of conference test is at Cal in week Mm. two Uh, but other than that you're bringing in UMass you're bringing in Samford Uh, you get to play Vanderbilt you do have to travel to Nashville but you get to play Vanderbilt so it's a favorable schedule and as Pisha you showed all you have to do is get in and you can win Uh, I do wonder if Auburn has enough talent at every position across the roster to do it or not. But I do think there's a blueprint there. And if you're lucky, you can follow that and make a run.
0: Yeah. And Sonny Dykes, his first year there. And, you know, he definitely turned the program around quickly. And, and I think this is just kind of another bullet point to kind of keep in your arsenal when a lot of Auburn folks say, oh, my gosh, you know, what Harson did and what's happened over the last few years of the Malzahn era has really set Auburn back, and oh my gosh, they're going to be you know, struggling to bounce back for years. And it's like, no, no, that, that's not the case. TCU replaces, um, you know, they go out and get sun, uh, Sonny Dykes and turns it around quickly. And, and that's just kind of what college football is becoming. And we've already seen what Hugh Freeze has been able to do in a short amount of time on the recruiting front. We'll see how it translates to on-field production a little bit in the spring and with A Day, and then obviously in the fall, we'll we'll see it for sure. But just this whole hope. Cause I think a lot of Auburn friends are a lot of Auburn fans are afraid to be hopeful right now. And I'm telling you, you can be hopeful in 2023 for immediate impact for an immediate turnaround because what you've seen at TCU. We've always used Tennessee as an example on this show. But look, yo, know, looking at TCU's quarterback. I like Max Duggan. Like, I think he's decent. Like, you know, I don't think he should have been a Heisman finalist or anything like that. And tell me why I'm wrong in the comments. If you want, I don't care. But it's about fit, right? And culturally, they, they fit. He fits in what Sonny Dykes wants to do. And he's leading the team. It's like, I don't see why that can't be Robbie Ashford. I'm not saying Robbie Ashford is Max Duggan. But I am saying that as far as what the coaches want him to do, I think Robbie Ashford can do just that with, with what Hugh Freeze has been able to do with mobile quarterbacks and help guys get open schematically to put the quarterback in situations to succeed. I think TCU's done that to some extent with Duggan. I don't know why that can't be the case with Ashford or, or whoever the potential transfer quarterback may be.
1: Yeah, on the note of putting Robbie Ashford into position to win a game like that, let me, if, you're, if you didn't watch the game or you didn't see it, let me tell you Max Duggan's stats in the win over Michigan. Yeah. So 14 of 29 for 225 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. So 48.3%, uh, long pass of 76. And then rushing, 15 carries for 57 yards and two touchdowns. That's a Robbie Ashford stat line, if I've ever seen one. Entirely capable, popping off a couple deep balls, completion percentage around 50% or so. When you go back and you look at uh, their game against Kansas State, that they lost 31-28, 18-36, 251 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Now, his season as a whole has been good, but you don't have to have just a perfect quarterback to win games like this, and I think you touched on the big thing there is is fit. Uh, we have a coach, offensive coordinator, and a head coach that can scheme an offense around what these guys do well, around Robbie Ashford's strengths, which is putting defenders into wrong decisions via via the running game, the passing game, things like that. Sure, the stable of backs that you have, the fantastic stable. And so, like, it's entirely reasonable. Uh, again, it all comes down to do you bring in enough talent this offseason? Because people may think, and you touched on this earlier, that that Harson and Malzahn put the program into a hole, and it's going to take a few years to get out of that. That's not how it works in the transfer portal. You can yeah, get immediate I'm success it. in year one. Uh, look at what Mel Tucker did at, you know, uh, at Michigan State, look at some of what Lane Kiffin did. Bringing in transfers, you can get transfers, and you can you can avoid that two or three years of mediocrity while you recruit. Uh, that's not sustainable on a long term basis. You have to go out and get the guy the guys to commit out of high school, but yeah. you can avoid that two or three years of a terrible season via the portal. And I feel like Auburn's already done a pretty decent job at going out and beginning to address their needs via the portal. Some of the guys you brought in.
0: Totally. And, and there's one of those guys I spe- specifically want to talk about later in the show, Lindsay. But look, I know some people are rolling their eyes at this, right? And like, I'm not expecting Robbie Ashford to have a stat line similar to Duggan in, in the college football playoff next year. Like, I'm not expecting that. But just to kind of say that it's impossible, I, I don't think is entirely fair at this point. To, to what Hugh Freeze and what this, uh, this Auburn coaching staff and what this Auburn football team is going to put together I think there's still going to be some fight. There's no question about it. And, and look, with what the favorable schedule offers this season, I, I think it's more likely now than it was a year ago, despite the roster um, kind of still having a bunch of holes and a bunch of question marks throughout it. It's like, are there going to be enough linebackers? Who even knows? But all in all, I just think I, I walked away from the, the two incredible playoff games Saturday night feeling like, okay, you know they're better than Auburn, right? All four of those programs mm-hmm. are in a much better spot than Auburn. But I don't think it's some like unrealistic goal to get back there, especially when it expands soon. And so I just I just kind of went to bed Saturday night, um, feeling good, feeling good, and and excited about Auburn's uh, potential ascension to that next level.
1: Yeah, maybe I'm we're in Columbus, boogin. Ohio. Maybe we're oh. We're absolutely booking. I'm in Columbus, Ohio this weekend, and so I got to see a bunch of Ohio State fans kind of process that loss in real time. Yeah, you know, and they too. they thought it was in the bag from a pretty early point. And I'm like, nah, I don't think you guys understand why that's gonna, what's going to happen with these SEC teams. But that is one of the advantages that Auburn has over some other programs is Auburn does face this caliber of game on a regular basis. Right. They're not going to be completely surprised by, you know, how. Dynamic Georgia can be on offense when they have to, or how by how much Alabama's uh, defense can attack you when they have to, because Auburn sees this week in and week out in the toughest co- conference in college football. And I think as long as you have the Jims and Joes, you've got a better coaching staff that can take advantage of them. It's not entirely unrealistic that Auburn makes a run next year.
0: Lindsay, I want to talk about one specific player in the transfer portal and also just your overall thoughts on the portal. Should we have more guys committed? At this point, your thoughts in just a moment right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open jobs and open listings with fit and talented folks and LinkedIn Jobs can help you do all of that. So LinkedIn Jobs, they help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college. Post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Lindsey Crosby, our guest, as he is every single Monday. So I tweeted this out as a stat of the day yesterday. Auburn's returning edge snaps from last season. 140. They're all Dylan Brooks. Career defensive snaps for Elijah McAllister, the new Vanderbilt edge. 977. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty it's pretty remarkable. And like we we knew he had 3 years of playing experience, but the dude's played a ton. And the more folks I talk to, about Elijah McAllister, the more like, no, no this, guy's, this guy's good. This guy's legitimate. His stats aren't crazy. I don't know if Vanderbilt really sets anybody up to have incredible stats because sack numbers, for the most part, there are some exceptions, but like sack numbers and pressure numbers and all that, you benefit from other guys on the defensive front also pursuing the quarterback. And so I, I don't know how much help he really had with all that. But the more I look at Elijah McAllister, the higher I am on him because I've kind of been in the whole, like, well, Keldrick Falk make, can beat him out and Dylan Brooks make, can beat him out or whatever. And a few folks have reached out to me and said, like, ah, I, I think you're off base. I think you're off base on this. So uh, I just want to kind of shed some light on the, the veteran leadership and the experience that he is bringing once again. We've mentioned it before, but just seeing that number, Lindsay, 140 total edge snaps on this roster, and he brings in 977. That's, that's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, and I like that experience is very, very useful. I think the other thing that he brings, and you you touched on it there briefly, but he brings the physicality as far as he has multiple years in an SEC weight room, despite what you think about Vanderbilt. They're still in the SEC. And so he has that physical development. Dylan Brooks is listed right now at like six four, two thirty-two. Mm-hmm. Whereas you look at McAllister, like you said, he's been around for a couple of years, he's played almost 1,000 snaps in the SEC, he's listed at 6'6", 265. And when you're changing the scheme, you're requiring a little bit more from some of your edge players as far as the ability to play against the run as well. Uh, He definitely has the physical development that you need to be able to step in and contribute right away, whereas you would question about where a Kendrick Falk or where a Dylan Brooks is as far as the prototypical size for the ron roberts defense how well he they could contribute right away being a bit undersized for what roberts likes to do there so i think that's an important thing as well he's done a lot of the physical development you're just now getting to reap the benefits without the learning curve
0: i've been a little hard on dylan brooks and i love your thoughts if i've been too critical of him but like i just don't trust him in early downs because of his size like Especially if you're going up against like a team that can run it on first and second down, and or if it's like third and four, like I don't really know if you can put them on the field consistently.
1: Now we've seen undersized players on defense work at Auburn, and I'm thinking about linebackers like Deshaun Davis and things like that. But it's a different role, uh, being the linebacker versus being on the edge. Two thirty-two does feel like it is a bit too light to properly set the edge and keep contain on an early down. Uh, And so I'm like, if he had blazing speed to kind of offset the lack of weight, you could see, whereas, okay, on a pass down, that's a very, very useful skill to have. Yeah. But all around player, it's hard to be more than just a pass rush specialist when you're underweight and you're going up against SEC offensive tackles who are going to be 6'6", 328. I mean, when you give up 100 pounds to an offensive lineman, it's difficult to have the impact unless you have elite speed off the edge. And I just haven't seen enough of Dylan Brooks to think that he has the elite speed to overcome the size. So I think you're on base with probably can't play him as much early. You're probably going to have a dedicated package where you can put two rushers on the field at the same time. Uh, or put him in obvious pass rushing downs. but
0: Yeah, third like and eight, I have, I have no issue w- with playing Dylan Brooks in yeah. third and eight, but it's just like, what is that What is that? role? Like, can, can you rely on him much more than that? I, I don't know. I've seen several people come out me a- and ask about, well, Jeff Holland did it. Uh, Jeff Holland had a great year at Auburn. I think there's a few things to that. One, Jeff Holland's burst and bend and just that twitch was really, really good. And I, I haven't seen that from Neil Brooks. I'm not saying he doesn't have any of those things, but I, I just haven't seen it yet. We'll we'll see if he gets more, uh, more than 140 snaps this year, if he can show that off. That would be incredible if Auburn had that. The other thing is Jeff Holland was like, I think he was 255 his last year at Auburn, which is when he had his breakout year. And so mm-hmm. he still had that weight that we're kind of asking for. His build's actually similar to Keldrick Falk than anyone else. Which, if that doesn't get you fired up, I don't know what does. And then also, he had dudes in the interior um, that demanded a lot of attention. And like, I love, I love Jason Jones, and I love Marcus Harris. But who, who was the big man w- with Holland? Was that um, was that Adams? Montrevious Adams was he there? Yes.
1: He was and on the I same team it. as Montrevious Adams. Marlon yeah. Davis was on that team. I mean, you had okay. lots Probably of a freshman, right? Of options. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. And so that's just not and, and I think I think Marcus Harris can kind of become that penetration freak um, this year if he takes that next that natural next step. But there's just um, I've seen several people bring that up and I, I, and I just wanted to I wanted to address that. Yeah, and and contrary
1: to my memories, when you go back and you look, it wasn't like he racked up a lot of sacks against bad teams. And you go, I mean, you got looking just about every sec team that Auburn plays minus Texas A&M and Alabama. Uh, he puts up at least one sack against every single one. So I was about to make the point that he got a little bit streaky with the sacks, but no, he was remarkably consistent. He was I incredible. He, he am- had an
0: incredible year. Yeah, Yeah.
1: He, probably probably underrated on the list of modern era auburn pass rushers i just i don't think he gets the attention that um you know that that some of your other prominent pass rushers like a d ford and things like that get um you know carl lawson people like that
0: because i think carl was after him right carl carl lawson was the year before him 2016
1: when he was the starter and Okay. And Holland was his backup at Buck, and then 2017 it was his first year as the starter at Buck after Lawson left.
0: Okay, I'm I'm getting my my timeline mixed up. Yeah, I mean, Albert had some yeah. good ones, but yeah, it seems like he kind of got slipped because like Marlin got drafted, Carl got drafted, uh, D Ford got drafted. All, all those guys got drafted. He kind of he went undrafted. So uh, mm-hmm. I would guess that that's partly why. But still, yeah, I mean, he, he had a great he had a great season. All right. So the last thing I want to touch on today, Lindsay, is what should we be expecting this week in regards to transfers coming in? We're getting closer and closer to the end of that 45 day window. And Auburn hasn't really brought in a whole lot of guys. Let's touch on that in just a moment. Right here, unlocked on Auburn. Bet online is your number one source for all of your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds, trends, or whatever you want for any kind of sporting matchup, whether it's professional, whether it's college, whether it's eSports. They've got you covered with more props, odds, and lines than anyone out there. Head over to BetOnline. It's where the game starts. Also, today's show brought to you by our friends at Alumni Hall. Alumni Hall is my favorite place to buy all of my Auburn Swag, whether it's football gear, basketball, baseball, they have you covered. Hey, maybe you're going into 2023 with one of your New Year's resolutions being, I want more Auburn stuff. I want more high-quality, officially licensed Auburn gear. And if that's the case, you can check that one off quick by heading over to the physical locations of Alumni Hall and Opelika. And in Auburn, the Opelika one is in Tigertown. The Auburn one is off of College Street. Or... If you're like, dang it, I don't live in East Alabama. You can head over to alumnihall.com and they've got you covered with all kinds of Auburn gear and great prices. And like I said, it's all officially licensed. You don't have to worry about the orange being a little bit off or the blue being a little bit too bright. They've got you covered with legitimate Auburn stuff. Alumnihall.com. Lindsay Crosby, our Monday guest. As always, so Auburn's been a little bit slower and it's not really just Auburn. I'm going to say the portal, the portal production and movement has been slower than I expected it to Right, a thousand kids enter it within like the first 12 hours that it's opened, Lindsay, and then everybody just kind of stayed put for a little bit <laughs> and, and, and Auburn's added some guys like we'll count Zeke Walker coming back, right? So Auburn's got three guys with, uh, with Dylan Wade. And then Elijah McAllister, but yeah. Oh yeah. Rivaldo fairweather. Yeah. Thank you. And so, but I just expected more guys to spend less time actually in the portal, but folks seem mm-hmm. to be taking their time more this time. than They did a year ago and the parameters were a little different a year ago too. So I, I understand why, but I'm still a little surprised by it, Lindsay, but they're running out of time. Like if you want to enroll in the spring semester of your new school, so you can do spring training and learn the playbook, and you know be a part of the the game plan as you go into summer workouts. Like you need to make your decision pretty quick.
1: Yeah, it's in about two i uh, two two and a half weeks. It's different for every school, sure. but the rule as far as portal entry is, you only have to be in the portal by the end of the forty five day window. I do think that you see that initial surge up front. As these bowl games are finishing up, you'll see some players who have already entered the portal or who enter the portal once their bowl game is finished. They make the announcement and they go ahead and go. Uh, Something that I will think Auburn fans should keep in mind, when you look at, you feel like Auburn should have signed more guys already. And we've heard a lot about this behind the scenes, but there's more instances now of players entering the portal and they already know where they're going to go. And I'm trying to remember exactly who it was, but I saw... A a Twitter announcement post the other day and in the same tweet the player had a a graphic announcing he was transferring and a graphic announcing his commitment to his new school because he had done a lot of that during the season behind the scenes and this is a whole this is a mostly brand new staff so they don't have all of that stuff done and you technically can't reach out to a player until they're in the portal so right I think I wouldn't be too concerned about guys, uh, about how many players Auburn has signed. You have the three committed from outside the university. You did bring back a couple guys who were going to enter the portal or did enter the portals, like Kibius Walker did. Uh, but Landon L- King L- L- discussed Adrian's L- yeah. back. Yeah. Landon King discussed and and came back. Uh, another receiver did the same thing. And so you've made some decent gains. And then you did have a much better recruiting class than you expected to have. Uh, sure. Especially when it comes to offensive linemen who, because they are from Juco, like Xavier Miller, something like that, may have the ability to play right away. So, yes, it's not as many people as you would.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I, and I think the the recruiting class being better than you thought I uh, think we lost you. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that aspect of it. I'm still expecting a quarterback at some point. And even, even with the quarterback situation being a little bit of like, okay, why is this taking so long? You're, you're seeing some folks say, hey, maybe you bring in a veteran and then you also bring in a younger guy to be part of it. That's interesting. It also kind of makes you ask the question of like how this staff evaluates Holden Gurner. If you were to do that, if you were to bring in multiple quarterbacks, Lindsey, I think that'd be interesting. But um, there's still just a few holes that I think Auburn really needs to address. And like Mm -hmm. I know the Dylan Johnson kid, the, the former Mississippi State running back, he's announcing soon. I think he's announcing on the third, so that'll be up tomorrow. But it's like, that'd be great. I don't know if we really need that, but that'd be great. Uh, But linebackers, man, like linebackers, the position I'm most concerned with right now, because I'm just trusting that you're going to get another two offensive linemen over the next two weeks or so through the portal. That's just what everybody's kind of saying. So if that's the case, I mean, we're about to have a really busy next 10 days, I think.
1: Yeah, you'll see guys enter the portal kind of late. You'll see a lot of guys start accepting where they're going based on the fact that, hey, we have to. Like, we have to be done within X amount of days or else we can't enroll in the spring. And I, I do think when it comes to the quarterback specifically, I do also expect Auburn to pick up at least one quarterback. But if you'll remember, something that Hugh is big on is he wants to see a quarterback throw himself. And he hasn't been able to see Holden Garner throw because they can't have actual practices right now. They can, They can do film, they can lift but he can't actually watch him throw. And so I do think depending on how spring goes, you may see one quarterback be- uh, here in the next week and a half. And then you may see one quarterback in that after spring window come in, depending on how he feels about holding Gariner. because if he's not a fan of Gariner, you have the new guy, Ashford, and his kid, Hank Brown, and that's all you have. So I do think there, it, that is something that could complicate things is how long does it take him to evaluate Garner? How does he feel about him? But yeah, I do, I'd love to see a couple of linebackers who could play. I do think you could make an argument that in this defense, bringing in an edge player is a specialized linebacker. If you wanted to say you got one uh, in McAllister, but no, I do agree. We need to see some more movement in the middle level of the defense because you have a lot of bodies but we just don't have a lot of information about how well they can play or the right. ones we've seen play. We don't have a lot of confidence in what their ultimate ceiling is going to be.
0: Lindsay, thank you for doing this while you're out of town. Really appreciate it. Also tell your wife, thank you. I hope you don't get, uh, I hope she's okay <laughs> with you. I hope she's not upset with you for doing this. Um, how can people check out everything that you've got going on, buddy?
1: I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My show, Locked in MLB Prospects, available for your podcast and on YouTube. You can find the writing, AuburnDaily.com and the merch, AUShirts.com.
0: You can also find Lindsay's fantasy football team second in the final, um, the final standings when it's all said and done in our very competitive fantasy football league. Um, congratulations. Great season to you, my friend. You can find all my written at Auburn.
1: On your championship.
0: Thank you, buddy. And we'll both be
1: friend of the show, Justin
0: Ferguson. Uh, I think it's important to mention, for sure. Uh, You can find all my written work at AuburnDaily.com as well. We will see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.